Well, hello there, and welcome to the Starfish cast, where we showcase the many contributors of Consensus Network and talk a little bit about their journey and the Starfish organization and the whole experience. My name is Nico. I'm going to be your host. And today we have Edward or Ed here with us sharing, sharing his story. Ed, how are you? I'm good. Thank you. Thank you, Nico. How are you? Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Recently, uh, a lot of work as, as usual, a lot of things to do for the company. I'm currently working with the French team with, um, on Book of Satoshi. Right. On Block Size War and also on the, um, and his book, Bitcoin Essential Concept. So a lot of things coming, coming up in the next months. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm also excited to see, uh, Knud's new book, uh, Praxeology. And then there's another big new release, uh, Abundance Through Scarcity by Yoni Appleberg. Um, two original English releases this year. Really looking forward to getting those translated as well. I think they're going to be big. So for, for everybody who doesn't know Ed yet, maybe you've run into him in the, in some of the telegram groups, he's, uh, uh help, helping me co-manage the company, uh, with Thibault. Thibault was in the, in the previous episode and, uh, really, uh, indispensable cog in the starfish machine. So yeah, thank you for that, Ed. And, uh, maybe can you, can you, uh, tell the viewers a little bit about your, your journey? How did you get involved? How did you get interested in Bitcoin in, in the first place? And then maybe, yeah, talk about your experience. And we just start with the, the Bitcoin rabbit hole story. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I first heard about Bitcoin when I was at university. Um, I was like a, a license, um, what do you call it? A bachelor degree about finance. And a friend of mine was, um, I discovered this weird website where I could buy stuff online with uh, this uh, magic internet money. So. He showed me that and I was a bit surprised that uh, you could find such things online and how this even money worked was really unclear to me. So that was my first touch point with uh, Bitcoin 2015, I guess. Yeah, I, I just looked into it. Um, I got interested and I was doing some research because obviously it was like kind of overlapping with my university studies and I was in economics and finance. So I did some research and I got interested in the topic of money. During my master degrees, I, I did some like research about what is money, what is, I mean, when I wasn't doing my master's degrees, I had to do like a six months internship. And as well, I had to do like a six months research about any topic that I would like to study about. And so I did six months internship in, uh, in a startup that was trying to monetize gold. Basically, they would take your, your fiat money, your euros. They would buy gold, deposit in, into gold vaults, I guess, and give you some kind of token that you could exchange with friends and family. I was very eager to, to, to understand why, why those people trying to monetize gold again, what was, how was euros working? I mean, in the, how was this holding the money machine working day to day? So I, I read a few books um, about it and I was, I got really interested and I, I obviously came to Bitcoin and I, I started to do some research on it, read and read. I think I came to the conclusion that Bitcoin was uh, probably the, the future of money. So I'm glad my friend introduced me to all the topics and, um, and at the time I was a student, so I didn't really understand all the implication of this, so, but I'm glad I did buy, I did buy some at that time. And then at the end of my, my master's degree, I took a year off. I, I went traveling on my own backpacking. 
Um, so I kind of dropped all my interest about finance and economics for, for quite a long time. And eventually when I came back, I, I took like, a, I started my career as a financial consultant for a small firm and uh, slowly, but surely I got the interest about Bitcoin back growing again until, until someone showed me the, the Bitcoin standard book. And when I read it, I think it was in 2019. That's when I, my interest to Bitcoin came back in, in full and I, I was a bit mind blown by the, all, all the information in the Bitcoin standard book. So it took me a while to process it and to understand all the, all the new information that I was, uh, I was, I was discovering. Yeah. I think, I think it took me some time to find other books like Bitcoin related books, like Land Money, Price of Tomorrow, some IEC uh, books as well. So uh, how did you like, th this is what I hear uh, from people uh, who studied the so-called legacy finance, although legacy is kind of misleading because it's such a new thing, fiat finance, fiat, fiat finance education. Uh, a lot of people have been telling that it kind of like held them back for a long time. That doesn't seem to be the case for you. So can you talk a little bit more about that? Like, how did you, did it help you understand Bitcoin better or did, did it actually, uh, somehow hinder your, your process. Neither of them, I don't think, um, because when you study economics and finance, they don't really talk about money, about the, the, the core of the system. So I wasn't like pegged to any particular theories before. So I don't think it has hold, hold me back or, or the opposite. I think, I think my interest just, just grew naturally out of discovering Bitcoin and, and working for this startup, working on gold it was like, um, I need to understand how those things work precisely because it, it didn't make sense to me. Like, why did we used to have gold and now we have euros and now we have uh, cryptocurrencies? How is that working precisely? I need to know, I need to understand what's happening. So, so you kind of came from like finance to hard money to Bitcoin. Yeah. And then, uh, then technology was the, like, kind of like the last step, right? Yeah. Yeah. For me, it was like the opposite. I came from like technology into hard money and then finance is kind of like the, the least interesting part. So that's, that's interesting how that complements. And that's probably why we, we make such a good team. Yeah. So yeah, when, when I read the, the Bitcoin standard, it's, that's when it's all started again to drive my interest into those topics again. And, um, and then I become a big, big uh, reader, listener to podcasts, uh, like everybody else. Eventually I found my way uh, um, out in contest network by wanting to contribute more and to develop the access to the information, to the knowledge about Bitcoin. So, um, yeah, I think it was in 2021 when SafeTen released um, the early access to the FIAT standard. I remember reading it on vacation and I was like, well, I, I think I'm, I have the competence to help work on the translation of this project. So. I'm going to reach out to him, which I did. He told me to get in touch with you at Consensus Network. And that's how I came in the, the, the in the first place in, in the summer of 2021, I, I think. And then we started to build a team, a French team to translate it. We found a few interesting people such as Gary, Henry, David Santos, Laurent, a few others. So if I miss, uh, if I miss some names here and the team was pretty efficient. So. We released the cat standard and the four or five of the books in the next uh, months because the division of labor was quite efficient. So 
we kept rolling and translating more books quite easily, I would say. Yeah, I, I would say that the French team was uh, was really a, a big bullish moment for me to realize that ho- holy shit, like this uh, this team is really t- like hitting the ground running. Like I haven't seen that before. Like I was just uh, like expecting that when people come and do voluntary contribution, it's going to be slow. It takes it takes its time. And I think the French team was probably the first, like what I would call like professional level, like even higher than that, like uh, worth ethics and and just the efficiency, how how the work was carried out. I was really impressed by that. And you were leading that team kind of uh, at that point. And, and that's that's how you started getting more uh, more involved, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. I was also pretty surprised at how much books we were able to publish in, in less than a year or so. so. That was surprising to me too, because I never worked on translating or editing before. So it was pretty much new to me. I knew nothing about publishing before. I barely translated a few articles for myself or for friends. So, but yeah, it worked out nicely. And, uh, yeah, it's true that the team was pretty, pretty efficient and pretty like high level, even though we were, we were not like professional translator, we think we're just good at, at just being serious and about what we do. Yeah. That this is something that I talk about all the time. Like, um, we don't use professional translators for, for the reason that I don't think they can match our quality and certainly they can't match our, uh, our pricing because we, we don't really, every, everybody's working on volunteer basis and that's precisely the strength of it because then you kind of have to, like, you don't have to have the monetary incentive to do the work because you just simply want to do it and you want to do your best. And I think that's the, that's the source of the, of the quality and the efficiency of the teams. And it's, it's just a side of beauty, really. And you mentioned Saifedean, everybody almost who, who, like most of the people who came in had the same route and huge shout out to Saifedean for directing all these people to me, because this is how we, we kind of grew all these teams and these fundamental members of each language team. Now we have like a, team of maybe uh, 10 or more people in each language region and they all all came one way or another uh, usually by reference because they want they contacted the author and then the author directed them uh, my way or the consensus way and uh, yeah i mean we don't we don't recruit anybody people just come in and flock in and and build their own teams and start working and it's just wow never experienced this in my fiat life it's amazing yeah, it's true. And for the quality, yeah, yeah, you're right. Like the people are not here for earnings or anything like that. It's more like they want the book being like translated in the high quality so they can show them to show it to their family or to their friends and, and be yeah, sure exactly. that we'll find the, the, the good information and not the, like when you compare that, like our books to traditional media or stuff like that, you feel like the gap is pretty wide uh, in terms of knowledge and information. What I wanted to do is to like close that gap if I could by getting the good information that I found available to, to people. That's what I'm trying to do. Yeah. I think, I think overall the, like the, the gap in the quality of information between the English speaking world and all the other countries is maybe a bit too big. And that's what we're trying to do to reduce that gap to make the best knowledge available to other regions 
Yeah, it's easy to forget like when you when you're in your Bitcoin bubble and you like myself, I, I read everything in English. I prefer that. And so so do other other people. And it's easy to forget that the fact remains that majority of the world does not speak English at a level that they can access this knowledge. And that's exactly uh, the value proposition of, of yeah. how we started. Of course, now we do also original works. It's just a natural extension mm. of, of the whole thing, because now we can have the whole process of releasing the original one and then all of the languages that we have teams for. Yeah. And I see that gap every day because um, I have to read like, the local newspaper for my fiat job every day. So I, I see the, the the gap in information almost on an everyday basis. So I feel like I can, I can bridge the gap uh, lacking between the English regional news and the local news that I'm exposed to. Yeah. I mean, that's exactly what we're trying to do. Just bring people, well, like bring the access, make the information accessible. That's, that's the thing that we're trying yeah. to do. Like, I tried to push this information on people for so many years with not, not much success. Like people are not that receptive, rightly so. Probably they are very skeptical about anything, uh, Bitcoin or crypto related, uh, because of the mainstream media coverage has done a ter uh, terrific job in, in kind of like distancing people from the whole topic and making it uninteresting. Plus the whole socialist agenda that, you know, money is bad and you're not supposed to be wanting money, even though everybody does want money and need money, it's just something that is dirty and you're not supposed to think about it. You're not supposed to be interested in it. So there's all this kind of like barriers that are impenetrable. So people just have to walk across those barriers on their own. And on the other side of those barriers, well, they will find our library and it's free for anybody to, to, to reach yeah. and, and buy our books and, and get that knowledge. So, so that's, that's kind of like our role in, in the whole, whole ecosystem to, to expand that library so that when people are ready to step beyond their barriers, they will find that wealth information. Yeah. But we must recognize it's not easy to come to, to this realization yourself or by reading. It takes a long time to change your mind and get, get used to have, um, new information and new knowledge that challenge what you, what you think, you know. So it's a long way for anybody to come to Bitcoin, but uh, it's certainly not, not helping that the mainstream media is, is um, holding back that, that much and presenting Bitcoin like being such a bad thing. And usually it takes, unfortunately, it takes some really bad events for people to, to realize that we need to, we need a alternative, like as long as things are relatively good. People are kind of reluctant to change yeah. anything, to rock the boat, so to speak. So that's understandable. And it takes a special and curious mind to see that beforehand. Yeah. And we, we see this all the time in, in the less fortunate countries that we call the third world countries from, from our ivory towers perspective in the so-called first world countries mm -hmm. where things are still relatively well, you know, countries like Venezuela, for example, with severe hyperinflation where people are actually the unbearable suffering is, is existing in people's everyday life. So it's much easier for people like that to, to seek for alternatives than, than for us. Yeah. Definitely. Definitely. And sometimes I look back at my own, at my own like past and I see that even for me, it took a long time to, to understand and to, and to read and to process all this information about, about money, about the state, about capitalism. So 
can't really expect people to get it faster than that we did, but we can certainly try to help. And that's what we're trying to do by making those books and knowledge available when they want it to access, it's going to be there for, for them. Yeah, exactly. And then books are going to be, once the books are out and out, uh, out of the printing machine and in the hands of people, they're, they're in the world, like they're, they're going to live on their own life. And that's, I think it's a very valuable service that we can provide for the world that even, even if something happens to us, the books are still going to be, the information is still going to be there. And that's, uh, that's something that makes me extremely happy. Can, can you talk a little bit more about your specific role in, in consensus, um, just to, just to let the viewers know what, what you actually do day to day and how is the experience working in a starfish organization? Sure. So, well, first, uh, I think I, I managed the, the French team. So I oversee the French project that we have. So what is currently, what is currently being worked on, I follow pretty much all the project and see what steps that we are, that we are currently. And then I help, I help you and Thibault manage the day-to-day operation. So the distribution, I would say, I follow closely the distribution center that we have. So much books do we keep, uh, if the orders has been fulfilled properly by the distributor and such, I would say some like accounting and financing. So I also help, um, on this side by keeping an eye and make sure, making sure that the company is staying healthy and sustainable because um, it's pretty easy to uh, misstep when you don't follow closely your numbers. Yeah, so I help, help you uh, writing and sending, signing contracts with others and with uh, any, every other partner that we could, uh, we could have, like distributors, other publishers. What else am I doing every day? I think I <laughs> I log in into uh, uh, I log in into Telegram and I I read the hundred of messages that I have uh, every day <laughs> daily yeah. basis. So that takes a long time to uh, yeah discuss. Brainstorm. We basically brainstorm every day on so many topics, and uh, I like that. I like that we that's how we make decision. It can be quite slow sometimes, but. Um, I think it's good because we all agree uh, to do stuff on the, we are all on the same page. And I like that. Like we, like the company name is consensus. That's how we operate. Like we find consensus between us uh, before taking any major decision. And uh, I like that. Even though it's a lot of messages to, to read and to respond uh, day and night, but uh, it's fine. I mean, yeah, in the, in the, we're still in a position that in the management team, we're kind of like all over the place all the time. Like everybody is doing what, like there's so much to do. And, uh, I guess we're still trying to find those, uh, specific roles that everybody grows into naturally. I, that, that's, that's at least uh, how I, I see it. And, uh, I, I see fortunately for my, my time usage is that, uh, you and Thibault and other people are starting to take on more. So that means I don't have to be aware of everything that is going on all the time. I don't have to have a hand in every single decision necessarily. And I, I guess that's a, that's a growing trend that we, we see when more people come in and, and, uh, take on more responsibility on their own. Yeah, this is exactly what I did. I, I started with the Jan standard doing a few chapters here and there proofreading. And I just naturally took on some more tasks and because I got interested into the business and I was asking you, I remember 
how does this work? How do you publish? How do you do that? How do you manage the social media? How, do, how does the, this tool distribution works uh, with the partners? Um, how is the marketing calculated? How much do we give away? How much do we keep? And I don't know, I just got interested into this business and like, I like numbers, not as much as being an accountant, but I like to crunch numbers. So it was interesting to me, all the, all the business behind books and uh, it's interesting. Yeah. And I, I guess that's the, that's the strength of one of the strengths of the starfish model that everybody has a specific skill set, maybe from their fiat trade or just their personality. And there's a, there's a fit for everybody. Like the business is actually way more complicated and big than I ever anticipated. Like when I started, I knew nothing about publishing. I just, uh, figured like some other people can do it. Maybe I can do it. And uh, it's been a, a big learning experience and really, really fruitful at that as well. And, you know, how to be able to manage a team of, I don't even know how many, we probably have more than 50 people working one way or another in, in all these projects. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we don't, we don't really have employees. We just have people who are contributing to, to the same course, which is information distribution about this topic that we are all interested in. Yeah. And the publishing business is interesting. I mean, I don't think it's like a really, really profitable business. Like it's not a tech technology business or a software business, but when you like your, when you love your product, it's so easy to get, um, to, to fall in love with your company and, uh, and to dedicate uh, plenty of hours. Yeah. Um, that's what happened to me. And I need to mention, like when I was traveling, um, uh, I love, I love traveling. So I was like, I would like to have a job where I could work remotely on, on languages because I like languages. I like, to, I like to talk with people in English and Spanish and French and such. And so I was like, mm, I would like to have a job in translation, traveling remotely, et cetera, et cetera. And I could never, I could never point what, what this business would like. But when I found consensus, I was like, oh, this is it. This is the thing I had in my mind, but I couldn't, I couldn't find it. Here it is for me. So it was just really natural for me to join and to, and to dedicate more time. Yeah. I, I found that amazing. Like that, that's what internet did. Um, to entrepreneurship, like our main office is in Telegram, like yeah. actually, and uh, we we literally have people all around the world working on these projects. And uh, yeah, I mean, we don't have headquarters, we don't we don't have those um, expenses that maybe traditional publishing houses do. Um, as you said, it's not the most uh, sexy and profitable business model necessarily. But that being said, it's also a stable one. Like if you think about books and the Lindy effect that books have, you know, like books are more or less forever. Like that's like, uh, we're solidifying the information in several languages and ma making the information immortal to, to some extent. And I think that's like, it's, it's so much more valuable than just simply being able to turn that into a cash flow, which of course is, is, is one of our, our main goals as well maybe not the, the main goal, the, the main goal would be to have this, uh, informational capital available to everybody so they can self-educate and educate their children. And that's kind of like, at least from my point of view, what, what I want to see in the world to people yes. having access to this information and building something better for our grandchildren. And that's like, uh, you can't put a price on that. 
yeah, I think we agree on that. That on the thing, on the on the on the fact that information and and cultural cultural capital is superior to monetary capital. Um, it's a piece that I love in in the book uh, Bitcoin is Venice. Um, it's a section about the, the Medici's, the Italian family of bankers, and the banking business banking business was uh, really profitable and. Um, the best investment they could find is to dedicate this this money, this um, extra capital that they had, into art, into building um, uh, churches and and financing artists and, and and culture. And I think I would like to to think that we are doing the same thing, like transforming monetary capital into cultural and informational capital, which is more valuable, I would say. That, that's a great way to put it. Yeah. And I, I completely agree. And yeah, you mentioned Bitcoin is Venice. Do you have any other, what, what are your favorite books at, at the moment? I can say the, the, the most recent one that I read was, uh, Alex Gasting, uh, check your financial privilege. This one was really interesting. It was like telling story about people around the world in emerging countries or underdeveloped countries. Uh, that were using Bitcoin to, to survive on a daily basis. And um, like you mentioned before, I think it's easy to forget um, that we have um, like a good life. Basically, we can access a banking system that is still working and still doing okay for us. But most people don't have that that chance, that luxury. So it's good that they, they have a tool to escape that, that craziness and, and being able to transact with other people. And it's good to have some wake-up call like that, that we are not, we are not alone and we need to think about other people as well and to try to help them by, by developing become use, use case in, in those countries. So that was interesting point of view to, to have. It's a good reminder, basically. And yeah, I also saw recently someone saying that, that we should stop pushing Bitcoin for like boomers in, in developed countries because it's not working and uh, we should instead like focus on, on people who actually uh, need it for the daily, daily life. And I think it's, it's also a good, a good point. Maybe we should put more effort into that, maybe speed up the adoption and make the point that Bitcoin is valuable to other people in the world. Yeah. It's difficult to convince somebody who doesn't understand well, what, what could possibly be better in their life that they need an alternative, that it's much easier to convince people who are actually in a dire need yeah. of, of monetary services that, hey, here's, a, here's an open system that you can, you can just use without yeah. any permission. Uh, it's, it's a much easier sale, so to speak. Yeah. And going back to the books, like I mostly read like economics books or financial books, uh, not really read all fiction or other stories. So yeah, my favorite books are the Bitcoin books, uh, <laughs> Bitcoin Standard, Plain uh, Money, Ours of Tomorrow, The Sovereign Individual, all the classics that you could find in any Bitcoin library, I would say. Yeah. And I, I guess you read some uh, Austrian economics books as well. Yeah, Hayek, a bit of Rosbard. Um, maybe I should mention the, the first French liberal, uh, Bastia. Mm-hmm. Bastia, I like this guy. And this is interesting to see that, um, like his ideas were pretty, 
they go back a long way, like to 1860, I think. And uh, it's sad that they haven't been developed more. I would like to see more people reading and getting interested in in those topics of, of money, of capitalism, of like helping each other, basically. So um, is there any books that specifically you think are going to help help us reach that goal? Well, I think the, the go, going to the books like economics books or re, books about money are, are not for everyone because I tried that with my friends and family and the results, the results not so great. Like, I think you can say the same thing, like you give away become standard or, or such books and you don't really get the feedback that you, that you, that you hope for. So I need, we need to find the, the key, the, the, the right thing to, to make a click in, into people's mind and, and it could be anything. It could be like a, a short video, it could be an article, it could be another book about Bitcoin. And maybe the, 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 the storytelling approach that I, that I found in, in Glastin's book was maybe uh, something to try for people to see that it's not just a financial product that you speculate on. It's uh, an everyday tool that you transact with and that can save your life if you live under like a socialist or, or war regime. So we're still trying to figure out the best way to get people to understand why is I need Bitcoin, but um, yeah, yeah, it takes time to to get there. And uh, as I said before, even for myself, it took me several years. So I'm a bit pessimistic, but I don't expect people to to pick to pick it up uh, anytime soon. But yeah, I mean, generally, people are not that interested in non-fiction books. They're not like us. Like I'm, I'm the same as you. I don't really read fiction books at all. I like nonfiction books. I like self-help books to some extent, but mostly books on economics and Bitcoin. That's that's what I'm into. But I realize that's like we we are uh, not not the majority. So if we really want to help uh, the majority of people, then maybe maybe fiction could be a way for that. That's true. That's true. And we actually have a project called uh, Twenty One Futures that we're gonna we're gonna do a bit of a live show actually tomorrow about it. Well, that's already gone after after this is airing. But anyway, it's it's worth mentioning here because it's kind of like a outreach program for for regular people to just introduce these interesting stories. Just like you said, you know, people are interested in human interest stories and and uh, you know exciting plot lines. And it's not extremely exciting to read about monetary history or or finance. Like it's kind of boring to most people, I would say. Yeah. So yeah, maybe, maybe there's something there that, that could work. And that's uh, certainly something I'm looking forward to explore. What do you yeah. think? Yeah, definitely. I agree. I agree that people like to read stories and, and if we can leverage that, uh, to just plant some seed about Bitcoin into their mind, that will be, that could be giving some good results. So yeah, I'm excited to see how this book 21 future is going to be and, and what's going to be the feedback. The readers, definitely. So, yeah, I think I'm. I'm looking forward to publish more books and to expand the, our library. Uh, I like the Amazon story, the Jeff Bezos story. So he started Amazon with uh, with books, and I hope that we can follow his path and 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 do better than what Amazon is doing right now.
in the future. So that's why we, what we are aiming for at consensus, try right. build a start with a library of Bitcoin books and expand, expand, expand. Hopefully reach, reach the size of Amazon one day. <laughs> yeah, that's, I'm, I'm glad you brought it up because that's, that's what I think as well. And, and not, maybe not many people know that Amazon also started off as a starfish organization and then just grew into this, uh, this monster. And yeah, I, I think the same way, like me will, will be the, the future Amazon at, at some, some timeline, but yeah, that's, uh, that's a worthy goal to have for sure. Yeah. And no shortage of work. So yeah, Amazon with lightning. Amazon with lightning. That's pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> St streaming sets and, uh, you know, this whole Bitcoin kind of circular economy that people can pay with Bitcoin, uh, pay as you go, and then yeah. just stream it directly to all the contributors. And that, that's the point I, we, I forgot to mention. Yeah. I like this idea that, for example, like you, you could buy a book, pay with lightning and the author, the translator, the, the distributor would get their sets delivered to them directly from the consumer instead of like the company taking the money and then re redistributing afterwards. You, we could just stream set to every body involved with us directly straight from the consumer pockets. And I like that, that, that yeah, I hope we can build such a product one day. Yeah, I, I think it's just a matter of time. Like the infrastructure is, is not, not ripe for that yet, but I, I think it's, it's only a matter of time. Like if you look at Lightning network development within the last three and four years, uh, it's been pretty crazy. And, uh, uh, in a way it's, it's starting to reach like consumer, uh, maturity. Um, we're still a far cry from a global adoption of Lightning network or Bitcoin for that matter. Like. People keep saying like, oh, nobody uses Bitcoin and they are right. Like if you look at the statistics, maybe in our shops, the, the, the statistics say that uh, every third person uses Bitcoin, but we are a Bitcoin publishing company and, and our main customers are Bitcoiners already. So it can't really, like, we don't have the data of, of the, the whole world. And I, I suspect that it's, it's quite, quite fringe on top of fringe still, like we're publishing fringe books, selling them for fringe money that nobody uses and, mm -hmm. and telling about topics that nobody reads in languages that nobody uses. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, uh, the work is cut off for us, but, uh, it's been growing nicely and, uh, I'm, I'm really bullish about the future. Even at our little scale, we are able to, to build this little online circular economy. Uh, in Bitcoin. And I like that. I like the fact that we are able to do that and it, it will grow in the future. I'm, I'm confident. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, small things like, for example, you know, let's say somebody goes to a website and, and uses lightning Bitcoin to buy a book, it goes to our, our node, the, the funds from, uh, one of the channels that are connected to us will transmit the, the sets into the, the balance of our, our end of the node. And then let's say that we have a freelancer who did some work for us and we, we want to pay them. We can then use those same sets to just bounce them to the other end of the channel and kind of like, that's how lightning network works. It's just these uh, small bridges between nodes. So we can just, uh, go back and forth and, and transmit value like that. And it's, um, I wish more people knew about this and I guess they will in time. Yeah, but we just come. need to build something. We just need to build something better than that something that is already existing. And I think we're starting to get there. Like Bitcoin already offers a superior 
customer service in in the checkout, for example. Like it's, it's so easy, um, you know, when when the Lightning channels are properly balanced and there's there's enough inbound liquidity, then uh, we haven't had any problems within the last year or so that we had our PTC Pay server up and running, uh, and that's something that people compliment us on all the time. So it's just you go to the, uh, the shop, put it in the basket. Choose Bitcoin as your payment method. Get a QR code, scan it with your wallet. Bang, done. Yeah, and it's like you don't have that experience in anything else. No, but it's true. But remember that, like, even if you have a superior technology or superior product, it still takes time and energy to to scale it and to make it available. And going back to the to the Amazon example, even for them, they had like a, a long runway to to get the the place they are today. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, going back to our bubble, like it, yeah. within our bubble, everything works perfectly. And, uh, <laughs> you know, in theory, we could adopt the Bitcoin standard anytime now, but uh, it's going to be a while. And uh, yeah, it is. But uh, I think it's a, it's a worthy hill to fight for and yeah. die and, for. And it's exciting to work on, on developing new stuff and new technology and changing the world. So I like that. Me too. That's what we're here for. Yeah. All right, Ed, it's been a pleasure. Um, can you can you just tell everybody where to reach you um, if they want to talk to you directly or? Sure, they can reach me uh, at Edward uh, underscore KNW on Twitter or Edward at contestus.edward by mail. Excellent. Thank you so much, Ed. And thank you, viewers and listeners. This has been the Starfish Cast. My name is Nico. and look forward to the next episode, I guess. Thank you, Nico. See you soon. See ya.